Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, part of a continuing series with Philip Lawrence Sherrod. He is a composer, a songwriter, an artist, a painter, a, a soon to be subject of a documentary and uh, promises to be fascinating. He's a master educator, a uh, master teacher, and uh, an athlete. Started out in in this world in Oklahoma and and, uh, not too far away from Mickey Mantle. Uh, Had a higher batting average than Mickey Mantle. How about that? A renaissance man. Philip Lawrence Rudd here with me, Frank McKay. Philip, welcome back. Hello, Frank. You said something very interesting. You said a thinker doesn't necessarily have to speak and have to say these uh, say these words. And you said that the last time we spoke. I, I'd love for you to expand on that uh, because what I said, and and again, I want to make sure I'm not um, I'm not getting it wrong. But what I said is because you do all these other things, your thoughts and and your your feelings manifest themselves. You know, through artwork, through uh, you know, through painting, lots and lots of painting there, through music, through poetry, uh, through all different types of things. Um, am I on the right track when I say that? Well, yes, Frank. Uh, there, uh, in 1985, just before I received the Prix de Rome in 86, to go live in Rome and paint uh, in Italy, uh, I... Uh, had to show up at Cornell University. The director came down and his secretary, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to make uh, an addendum of uh, of the amount of work and the titles and blah blah. Uh, when they gave me the show, it was about sixty one paintings which is a major show for a university. They wanted their students to take on maybe the possibility of what I just have been telling you about. But uh, the title of the show uh, was reviewed by uh, two women uh, for a newspaper up there, up in Ithaca, and uh, it it was titled Outsider Art. Then it was subtitled, if I remember correctly, uh, monologue or dialogue. Hmm. Now, that already takes up uh, what I had been uh, dealing with or trying to... uh, I I, I sent to Charlie Rose via a one-eyed Italian... Uh, that I would join his roundtable relative to art, uh, poetry, painting, and so forth, and uh, and uh, and music. And uh, the sec one of the gals that worked for him at that time, uh, I had specifically written in large letters across the documentation via the Italian. I had written, please do not throw away 
when you're through with this, let me know and I will pick it up or mail it to me. Well, it turns out she threw it away. Uh, so I lost the tape that was, I thought, very importantly informative uh, about uh, the very things you're asking now. Uh, so how many years is that? Eight, 80, 85 right. to now to uh, 2019? Uh, 30, 34 years. Well, that's that's, I find it ironic. All right, here's something in life that I find to be very strangely repetitive. For myself, I guess this might be true of all creative people, is that things, it's like the other night. I get up and I, I can't sleep. I'm hearing these refrains that I heard once before uh, that I had sent off through Facebook to the world uh, and YouTube, and I found them erased. Uh, and there was nothing uh, raw or crude or, should I say, uh, vulgar. And as I'm writing the poem, the opening lines, enter me into a poem that I know was lost almost verbatim. In other words, again, back to the later findings in time of now, the DNA evidently has programmed me as it did uh, Edith Setwell or any other uh, Walt Whitman uh, back to Walt Whitman. Uh, I didn't know that he did, didn't start writing his poetry until he was 37 years old. And that's when I started writing, and I didn't know anything about this because, I, as I said, I can't read every book in a library uh, in Oklahoma or here. There, there used to be a library that had my work, my poetry, uh, my five books plus the many I have written. And uh, I go in one day to read it, and uh, the lady says, we don't have them anymore. I said, what do you mean you don't have them anymore? You censored them? You, you, you uh, put them in the junk pile? Why didn't you call me up and let me pick them up? And she said, uh, she said no, it's not that they've been stolen. So now, uh, there again is me being somewhere, doing something, and then it being erased. And uh, that, that was back in maybe 1974. So, uh, so what can I say yeah. uh, to the disappearing species uh, of, of mankind? Let me again remind everyone, Philip Lawrence Sherrod is our very special guest, part of a continuing series, uh, soon to be the subject of a documentary and another book on his life, and uh, just fascinating um, with the artist, composer, and so much more, Renaissance man. Uh, let me ask you about Charlie Rose. You mentioned Charlie Rose, and yeah, you offered yeah. to be part of the roundtable. Uh, what kind of response yeah. did you get, if anything, from Charlie Rose? 
No, nothing. Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. I called up. I called up after a couple of months, and I said, uh, "Was Charlie able, in his busy schedule, to read uh, or listen to the tape uh, and see the visuals and so forth?" And uh, she said she never heard of it. And it turns out that another one of the confidants of him uh, told me, called me back, and said, uh, "That's not true." Oh, 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 they they threw it away. So I find that to be criminal. But I didn't go any further. I didn't go out and rave and rant in front of Charlie's uh, uh, TV show. But uh, that's, that's, see, see, it's things in life that are not talked about that seem to be the big issues. It's not what we talk about or what the news, the format of a newscaster, the format of a weather man or woman, the format of, it's like the latest gentleman, which I find to be very charming, uh, says, and uh, here's what you're to do today. Well, that's a programming right there of the university again that says do as we say, do as we do, and don't cause any trouble, which I'm for. I'm not for all the rash, uh, constant abusement of one's sensibilities. I cannot stand to hear something as fake news, then later hear that it was true. That upsets my equilibrium. Yeah. Well, uh, and I think it's jeopardizing the individual position. I mean, America originally, it's back, let's go to the, uh, let's go to the wall of Mexico. Uh, I, I don't want to say it, but I will because I'm an open mouth. Uh, I cannot imagine being a president and trying to censor people coming in because he's fearful that we have overpopulated the world, which we have. Right. They predicted all this in the university uh, back in uh, whatever it was. Uh, via class of sociology. Uh, they said, we can, if we do this and this and this and that, we can, we can predict and make a society the way we want it. And uh, everybody knows who I'm talking about unless they don't. I would so, think they uh, do. So I, I'm for all free peoples. But the problem of safety, the problem of, of, of taking care of the sickos, the sickos that run around and get into fights over a dog not having a seat on the subway, right. <laughs> I find to be humorously yeah. funny, uh, or, or a person that uh, now... As a world, uh, this is, I've told this a million times, and I hope I'm not repeating, but in science, 
they teach that if you multiply the number of anything in a caged order, they begin to devour themselves. Well, that's in a way to get a degree of relief uh, of the pressure of life. Uh, that's where the position of porno has come up. And I think it was, uh, gee, what was it, uh, 74 or something? I don't know. But I had already done nude women from the street, uh, not nude out there, to get attention uh, as breaking the laws or whatever they've got now, but to to let the girls that what excuse me uh, wanted to vote with their bodies, and. I'll guarantee you that uh, I have done around 2,000 women of, in time that objected to any restriction of the beauty of themselves while they passed through life. Hmm. So um, oh. that's kind of, again, allowing the world to enter oneself, become pregnant, with what others would like to have or go on. You know, the, but, uh, let me again. But you see these tidbits of differences. Uh, I just went from transition to transition and went go with the flow. But I had it. Excuse me. Yeah, it's okay. I, I had uh, a thinking mind, and uh, I I was puzzled as to why I couldn't get through the ranks of control or re restriction, and could not, in a way, speak my thoughts hmm. or be allowed to speak my right. thoughts. Uh, and, of course, I ran into, uh, at the university, I ran into people like Nietzsche. Uh, I, I ran into uh, Kierkegaard. I ran into all of the, the other Plato, uh, all of the other thinkers mm -hmm. through time. And I don't see any separation uh, from their thoughts to the present day other than we have become again, more violently uh, destructive. Yeah, well, listen, let me remind folks once again, Philip Lawrence Sherrod is the voice that you're hearing, Frank McKay here with Philip Lawrence Sherrod. It's, it, it's interesting, anytime that I try to predict where you're going with something, uh, I, I, you know, maybe I'm getting a little better, but you're unpredictable. You're unpredictable with where you. It's, it's always you. You always have brilliant thoughts and wonderful thoughts, but uh, but you are not uh, cut out of the same mold as anybody. You're really uh, you're, you're a neat, unique figure in, uh, in in this world, and uh, you know I don't know where that all comes from, but I guess you could say the same thing about some of the people that you just mentioned right there. I mean, if you were if you were talking to them, if you were interviewing. You know, Da Vinci in his day, or, or Plato way back when, and uh, you know, if somehow you could interview those folks. You would the same thing would happen. It's not they're not cookie cutter. 
but there's so much of this well, world frankly, that is. Uh, let me say this. A thinker can think thoughts, not write them down, but feel a certain degree of comfort among those of whom uh, birds of feather flock together. Uh, the, the idea that a thinker uh, has to think the thoughts that it does not like is, I think, repulsively repressive. So, so I, I, I don't see any difference between, uh, I came from the university, double degrees, one in science uh, first, and then I said, no, no, this is, this is not enough. And then I went, into, uh, I went into art, and that seemed to be more fun for me because it seemed to be more natural to me uh, than to follow uh, a certain schemata of, of, of past everything from literature to music because, like when I heard Beethoven for the first time, I thought it was me. I couldn't separate the inner, uh, uh, should I say, power of sound uh, from then to now. There was no, there is no difference in the ninth century, uh, or the the uh, the. I'm sorry, the the ninth symphony. Right. Uh, and and now. Uh, I, I might even say uh, a sit-down uh, killer. Uh, they're both dealing with a certain DNA of power, uh, energy. And I think energy might be the key to, uh, to, to riding the boat. Uh, uh, I, I, when coming from Oklahoma and, and those wonderful... <laughs> Uh, highways of outstretching uh, uh, of telephone poles and telephone lines, and my father was a, a telephone uh, climber at one time uh, to ascend the order up the pole and fix whatever went wrong after a storm, a tornado or something. Uh, and uh, I saw it as just all tied together. I mean, it was in my life. It was, I mean, how do you, how do you go into a Dunkin' Donuts and not eat a Boston cream? Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, you know. Uh, so what I'm saying is that um, when they gave me a show up at Cornell and uh, outsider art, and then uh, I had to rush off to Rome to, uh, to fulfill my obligation uh, in 86. So I didn't have much time to reflect on it except in Rome while painting on the, uh, on the, the, uh, the streets, the, uh, uh, all of the wonderful lamp lights at night and the romance of of uh, smelling, should I, I say, uh, uh, like in France, the Seine, or the, the uh, uh, to me, it was just one continual, you might say, delicious nightmare. 
See, that's that's where nobody would use, as of course as a poet, I will use anything that seems to work for me or explain the situation. But uh, uh, the the continuum of life, I don't know how people see this separation other than that's the way they tell you you're supposed to experience it. Uh, it's like what happens to a poor woman when she gets married and finds out that to be married is not the same as to be single. That's a transition that is expectedly a norm if a woman uh, is attracted by an opposite uh, sex or even by a same-sex person. Uh, there's a transition there. And uh, as I said, I had to turn my canvases outward, and people would say to me, they'd come over and look at the work and buy a few paintings, and they'd say, well, I, I don't understand it. And I said, what don't you understand? And they said, well, why do you turn your paintings outward? And I said, well, I don't know who I am. Hmm. I, I've been through so many transitions of, of change that change with time uh, has led me to have someone to speak to. Keep your thought right there. And there is the thinker coming out and wishing to be heard. Well, keep your thought right there and stay right with us. Philip Lawrence Sherrod, once again, is our very special guest, part of a continuing series with the uh, wonderful uh, Renaissance man, uh, F Philip Lawrence Sherrod, Frank McKay here. Uh, stay tuned. We'll let you know uh, how to see his documentary and uh, how to get his, his latest book, which is going to be uh, a very biographical and uh, just an amazing career, prolific man. Um, over 6,000 pieces of artwork have been created by this man. Uh, stay ri right with us and binge listen to everything that we've done. Philip Lawrence Sherrod has been our very special guest. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down.